Zvol podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast on a late Saturday night here in South Texas, uh, about uh, 15 hours away from the start of the NBA Conference Finals. And joining me to discuss this on the line from Los Angeles, California, Lakers fan, Rebound. What up, Rebound? How's it going? What's up, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, looking forward uh, to mostly the Western Conference Finals matchup, uh, more so than Eastern Conference, but uh, I think we have here two series that are going to be good series. So I guess before we get into those matchups, uh, news breaking yesterday that the Toronto Raptors have fired the 2018 coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. Uh, what do you think about this move? Uh, do you think it was the right move to make for the Raptors? It's a tough call because Casey had a really good year. This was the Raptors' best year, regular season year. And I really don't know. It's a, it's a bold move, but... I, I, don't, I don't like the move. I think Casey deserved another chance. I mean, nobody expected the sweep coming from Cleveland. Everyone was saying this is a different Toronto team this year. They're going to beat Cleveland, and they didn't even win one game. They blew, they blew two games, and the other two would just blow out. So I really don't know what to say here, but I'm a fan of Dwayne Casey. I think he, he, he could have he took this team where he could have, but it just wasn't their year. You can't put all the blame on the coach. The coach is always the scapegoat in every in every situation. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, it was kind of a little early to let Dwayne Casey go, and I mean, I don't know how who they're going to hire now moving forward. I mean, because, I mean, it's just, I mean, they run into LeBron three straight seasons. That's unfortunate for them, and that's kind of why they've come up short the last three seasons. Yeah, well, the East runs through LeBron, and we all know that, so they're going to run into LeBron somehow. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. But, yeah, uh, very surprised by the move, and I'm sure you are as well. But, uh, hopefully, I mean, who do you think they kind of look at for in terms of their next replacement uh, moving forward? Uh, Skip Bayless was saying Drake. What do you think about that? Uh, Drake. <laughs> Drake. Sorry. Drake has no business coaching. He he does enough for them on the sideline if he does anything at all. I th- just give him the benefit of the doubt. What if he's a great coach and he, he stops rapping and he just starts coaching? No BOD for him as a coach. He's not a coach. He needs to just stay on the sideline as a, a celebrity fan mogul. His music is good. I'll give him that. He's a good artist. But he needs to stick to that. He, he's not a... <laughs> He's not a freaking he's not a freaking coach. It's not God's plan for him to be a coach in the NBA. <laughs> well, real talk, I think Mark Jackson is definitely at the top of the list. Possibly Kenny Smith. You can always go back to old school coach Jeff Van Gundy, but I think he's done coaching. Also his brother who just got fired or released, Stan Van Gundy is a good candidate. Those are the top four that come to mind. Okay. 
All right, those all sound like, I guess, well-seasoned uh, coaches, except for uh, Kenny Smith, obviously. But uh, it should be exciting to see where they go, and that'll be one of the bigger storylines, I would imagine, in the offseason. So uh, with that, we'll move on to the conference finals matchup. We'll start in the Eastern Conference, uh, which starts uh, Sunday afternoon in Boston. The one, the two-seed Boston Celtics, excuse me, taking on the four-seed Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this matchup, and who do you think comes out on top? I think it's pretty easy to say who's going to come out on top. I mean, I, I, I gladly say it. I'm not a LeBron fan. I don't like him, but I respect him. I've been saying it from the start of the playoffs. The Cavs are coming out of East. Everyone's saying, no, they're not. No, they're not. And I'm still I'm sticking with Cleveland. I'm very surprised and shocked to see Boston here. Got to give Brad Stevens a lot of credit to get his team here without his top two players. It shows that his system is just working very well, and Terry Rozier is playing well. It just shows that any point. It seems like any point guard playing under his system can do well. Like Isaiah Thomas was killing it last year. This year it's Terry Rozier, and he has a very good coaching system. But they have no star player that's going to match up with LeBron. A uh, crazy stat that was thrown out on Instagram that I saw was LeBron almost equaled to DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry last series. He had, they, DeRozan and Lowry had 138 points. LeBron had 136 assists. DeRozan and Lowry had 46. LeBron had 45 rebounds. LeBron had 33. And Lowry and DeRozan had 30, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, kind of what LeBron, player of his stature, does sometimes. I mean, and, and Lowry and DeRozan on the other side, it seems like they can never play together, good together in the same series. It seems like one guy is always off for some for some reason throughout their four or five years that they've been together. So that's just unfortunate for Toronto. Yeah, I think a little bit of change of topic, but I think it's time for Toronto to break up De- DeRozan and Lowry. Uh, that that will be the key. I think they're going to have to trade one of them. I think Lowry's the per- person to go because he's older, DeRozan's younger, and has a brighter future, in my opinion. But Lowry, I think they should trade Kyle Lowry. Okay, yeah, I mean, I agree. If you're going to get rid of one of the two, Lowry's probably the more expendable one, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, and obviously the, the search for their coach as well, like we just talked about a few minutes earlier. But I guess getting back to the conference finals, uh, as far as Boston goes, uh, what kind of uh, m- defensive schemes are they going to throw at LeBron? I mean, who who gets the lion's share of the defensive assignment for LeBron? I really don't know. I forgot who. who I think it was the market. Who's the Morris brother that plays for them? He's saying he's yeah, Marcus Morris. He said he's yeah, he's the best. Him and Kawhi are the best uh, option uh, to defend LeBron. LeBron, which I don't believe. I have respect for the guy, but. You're not you're not that great of a defender. There's a lot of great other great defenders in the league, but I guess they're gonna start with him, and then it's just gonna go as as the series goes, as the game goes. Whoever's gonna be out there, I think a, a underrated defender will be Jalen Brown. He's a, he's a really good player. Everyone loves Tatum because he's a good scorer, but I like Jalen Brown more because he can play on both sides of the ball. Okay, does Tatum has is he going to draw any of the defensive assignments on LeBron, or is he too small or too small of a frame and too young of a player right now? I think he's too small.
ball, ball too small of a player. Uh, I don't think Young really gets into it, but they want him to focus on other things more on the offensive side where he's better. Okay, and then on for Cleveland, obviously we saw the first series, the role players like Korver, Love, they all pretty much struggled. I mean, I think Korver probably played the best out of all of them. And then in the second series against Toronto, they kind of came alive. J.R. Smith started hitting threes. Uh, Korver started hitting threes. Kevin Love started playing better. Uh, which kind of role players do we see for the Cavs? The ones we saw against Indiana or the ones we saw in the Toronto series? I really can't tell until the first game. I, I mean, it's just hard. But I think it's going to be in the second series. It seems like in the Toronto series we're going to see he really pumped them up. He really pumped them up, and they they look good now. And I just see I just see Kevin Love, Kevin Love stepping up. He he's a beast. I mean, before he got traded to Cleveland, he he was putting up like thirty and twenty numbers. And I remember Charles Barkley saying Kevin Love is the best power forward in the league. He was putting up like insane numbers before he was traded. Uh, but when you when you get to Cleveland and you have Kyrie at the time and LeBron, you're going as a, a third. He was pretty much turned into the Chris Bosh of Cleveland. So now he he just seems it seems a little down, but he played a good series overall. I think he'll put a, he'll average about 15 to 20. I see Kevin Love having a good series, but yeah, that they, they they need Corbin to step up or Jr. You know, also, as a Laker fan, it's sad to see Clarkson doing nothing and Larry Nance not even playing. But another a big X factor in the series will be Tristan Thompson. Ho- hopefully the Kardashian curse can get off of him. It seems like it did last series, and I think he, he'll be a good defender at worst. And he can put up some stats. He can get rebounds. I, I, I'm a big fan of Tristan, besides his wife. <laughs> Okay, interesting. And then, obviously, LeBron, 11 games in the postseason so far, averaging 34 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, almost 55% from the field. Is this something he can keep up uh, going into this conference finals and kind of keep this production at this pace that he's been going at? What was that? LeBron averaging 34 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, in the first 11 games of the playoffs so far, on 55%. He has to keep that up. He has to put that up. With this team, this is his worst team since he went to left Cleveland and went to Miami because he doesn't have an efficient third player. Last year they had Kyrie, and they traded Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas, and then they got rid of Isaiah Thomas. So they pretty much have no point guard now at this point. They, they, they got rid of one superstar for who do they have left that they got. Crowder is gone. I think the center, the center, I don't know his name, but they still have him. And that, that's pretty much it. So that, that's, that's a big burn for the team. They, they received Clarkson and Larry Nance, who really aren't helping, as I just mentioned a minute ago. But it's, it's a young team. Uh, another X-Factor that might step up and might play this series is Rodney Hood who rejected garbage time in game four. Okay, I see. All right, and then we were mentioning, I guess, kind of the way the Cavs kind of run their offense. I mean, uh, is this a series that they're going to have to score 100-plus in order to win? What do you think? 
Yeah, absolutely, because this Boston team is a great defensive team. That's how Brad Stevens runs his team. It starts with defense, and then it goes to the offensive side. But he's more of a defensive side coach, and I see them. Uh, the, the, the thing is, that they don't have problems scoring 100 because LeBron's going to drop 35 with his nine assists. So that, that, that's six, almost, what was that, 50 points for you? I mean, you just think about that. It's, it's going to help. LeBron will be fine. You know what you're getting out of LeBron. It's just going to be coming down. The two X factors I see for biggest, biggest X factors are Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith. Because once they're on, the Cavs are on. Even if one gets hot, they'll be fine. Okay, I mean, going back, I guess, to another series that LeBron played, you said he, this is kind of like his first uh, stint in Cleveland. Uh, I'm going to kind of go back to the 2009 conference finals i think lebron averaged some something along the lines of like 39 points nine rebounds eight assists obviously 50 percent from plus from the field and then they lost that series to the magic in six games just because nobody else could really perform or do it put up any type of numbers or support for lebron is that kind of a uh, a strategy that the Celtics are kind of going after, letting LeBron get his whatever he's going to get, and then just kind of shutting down the other guys? I mean, well, they can go after that theory, but like I said earlier, they don't have a star player. At the time, Dwight Howard was a star player. Who, who Who's their best player right now? I don't know. Maybe Tatum. He's a rookie. Maybe who's their most veteran player? Al, Al Horford. I just don't see it. Okay, yeah, and going back on back to Boston, obviously I had Shea on uh, the last podcast I did. He was ranting and raving about Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier, and he said he's seen enough from Terry Rozier to call him a legitimate star in this league. Uh, do you agree with that? I don't know if I would call him a star, but he's getting there. I, I wouldn't call him a star yet because it's just the playoffs, and a lot of people were saying that about Isaiah Thomas last year, and now look where Isaiah Thomas went. He went from being the third MVP, Canada, top three in MVP voting, to a bench player, and now he's going to be He's on free agency. He was supposed to, he, last year, if he hit free agency, he would have got a max contract, uh, but now he's just going to get like $8 million. I also heard a rumor from John Ireland on ESPN Radio that they're going to trade keep Terry Rozier and trade Kyrie Irving for Kawhi. Okay, I mean, just kind of like you mentioned, uh, all point guards kind of fit in Brad Stevens' offensive system. So that, does that make Kyrie Irving kind of obsolete just because, uh, and kind of more a bigger risk just because he's, before LeBron and after LeBron, he just seems to kind of be hitting the injury bug a lot. Uh, is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's absolutely a fair statement, and it makes his value go down because if they can keep someone for cheaper... And he doesn't shoot the ball a lot and moves the ball around more. It'll be better for the team in both ways. It's a win-win. And I, I could see him fitting in San Antonio with Pavlovich. Pavlovich, who can discipline him and make him a better player And as they move on from Kawhi. Okay, and another kind of theory I heard in regards to Kyrie going to San Antonio. It's a wacky, f- fucked-up kind of theory from uh, Stugatz of the Dan Levitard show, he's saying that uh, basically LeBron and Kyrie are conspiring 
to have uh, Kyrie just fake an injury so he doesn't play in this series. And then he gets traded to San Antonio. And then LeBron goes in the offseason and signs with San Antonio as well. What do you think about Stu Gatz's theory on that? Uh, he's just being an idiot. He, he, he's like the Skip Bayless of that show he, that he does. He, he's just saying that I could see LeBron going to San Antonio. That's definitely one of the destinations. He loves Popovich, but if, if that was the case, Kyrie wouldn't demand out last season, and they were, he would have still been in Cleveland right now. Uh, interesting. Okay. All right, so uh, I guess getting back to the series, uh, I th- I know you're taking Cleveland. How many games do you think? It's tough. I'm going between five and six, but I'm going to give Boston the BOD, and I'm going to go Cleveland and six, and they finish it off in Boston and six. Or we'll, No, that'll be in Cleveland, actually. Yeah, that'll be in Cleveland, yeah. Six. Yeah, so six. they'll finish it off at home in Cleveland and six. Okay, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, like I told Shay last time when he was on, I guess Shay picked the Raptors, I think, in six or seven games. I just said, I'm I'm riding with LeBron in the East until someone beats him, and I that's kind of my the same opinion I have today. I think the Celtics uh, team, like you said, doesn't have stars. I mean, their kind of uh, nucleus is a lot of young guys other than Al Horford, and the it seems like he doesn't really make big plays down the stretch. Uh, they're probably they're going more to Rozier and Tatum these games. So uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with you with the Cavs in six. I think uh, LeBron is gonna be too much. I, th- I expect him to continue his uh, stellar play that he's stellar historic play that he's shown in the first eleven games of this playoffs. And I think Cleveland uh, returns to the finals for the fourth straight season, and it'll be LeBron's team's uh, eighth straight finals appearance. So with that, we'll agree on that one, and we'll move on to the Western Conference Finals. And this is the matchup we've expected pretty much all season long after Chris Paul got traded to the Rockets. The Rockets uh, facing off against the Warriors, but uh, we d- I don't know if we really expected the Rockets to be the ones that had home court advantage and finished seven games ahead. So this is uh, Golden State's first uh, series under Steve Kerr, where they don't have home court advantage. The last series they didn't have home court advantage in was first round of the 2014 playoffs when they lost to the Clippers. Uh, do you think that's kind of a factor or factors in in any way into the Warriors and how they um, kind of how this series kind of plays out for them? Well, first off, Golden State does play amazing at home, so I'll give them that. Uh, but at the same time, you have to factor in that. They weren't a fully developed team in 2014 when they got eliminated by the Clippers. They won their first championship in 2015 when they fully developed. And they also added Kevin Durant, who's the second best player in the league, as we all know. And that's a huge thing. So I don't think it's going to be a factor. Okay, and then I guess as far as uh, kind of the initial thoughts what do you think is kind of going to be the main difference in this one for who, which team comes out on top? I think the main difference is going to be who's who's going to have the better, who's going to stop who, and who, who has the better defenders. And that comes down to Golden State, in my opinion. Because we know both teams can score. Uh, they have James Harden who's going to score. You got Chris Paul who can score. You have a lot of scorers on Houston. And then you have 
the four, the, the four core four who can score: Draymond, Clay, Steph, KD. And that's what it's going to come down to. Houston has the better bench, but I mean, as Colin Coward said, the bench is overrated in the playoffs because you're going to cut out your debt. I just don't see it from Houston. I'm a big James Harden fan, but I see Warriors coming out in the series in six games. It will be a good series. Some games will get chippy. They'll be. I hope there'll be a fight, but there'll be like a couple pushes and where refs have to break stuff up. And finally, Chris Paul's first conference finals. Congratulations to him. Everyone talking shit about him, so I'm happy for him, but I don't think he's going to go any farther. It could be in five, possibly, but I'm going to stick with six. Okay, I mean, in regards to Chris Paul, uh, did you need this conference finals appearance to kind of tell you that he's arrived and he's kind of a Hall of Fame type player? No, absolutely not. Uh, he, he still gets... He, every, everyone just hates him. He's a, he's a great player. He's a great team player. He, he just ended up in a bad situation in all of his places. Blake Griffin and DeAndre couldn't come through for him. He, he was always the, the one who, who, who was there for the team. And now it it shows that like Houston's record, I think, is forty five and eight with him playing this year. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay. And then down the stretch, it's for Houston. It seems like when the game slows down, it feels like to me, at least, that they're in better shape when kind of Chris Paul is kind of running the offense because it feels like to me James Harden. I mean, it's kind of more like a fast paced type player, and he kind of uh, is really dependent on drawing contact and getting getting to the foul line. So, I mean, who do you think they should go with, I mean, down the stretch, uh, Harden or Paul, to kind of create their offense, create shots for them down the stretch? I don't know. That's a tough question. I really haven't watched Houston throughout the season, but it can be either one. But I would say James Harden because he, he, can, he can shoot and he can – He's a better, I think he's a better, I don't know, I really don't know who the better ball handler is, but we, a lot of people thought Houston wasn't going to work at the beginning of the season, and now they're they're the number one seed in game ones in Houston tomorrow. They're, I think they're also favored, too, to win game one, but they're not favored to win the series. But I really don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. I would flip a coin. Okay, yeah, and then on the other side for Golden State, or... And this is kind of maybe like a two-sided question. Uh, which team kind of is better equipped to kind of uh, run their pick-and-roll action that they've been running all season? Is it Chris Paul with all, a bunch of the shooters, James Harden with a bunch of their shooters, big men, Clint Capella, or is it Golden State on the other side with Curry, Durant, Thompson, Draymond Green? What do you think? I think in this one I'd give the edge to Houston slightly because – their three-point shooters are really good, and I just like them, uh, how they run the pick and roll. And going back to Clint Capella, I think that's another factor that's going to come into the series. His value is going to drop because Golden State always plays small. They really don't have any big, any legit big men. I think they have JaVale McGee and Zaza, who are not legit big men can play, but I, I think Capella's value is going to go down when they have him in. He's going to be guarding like Draymond Green. It's going to be tough for him to play defense on Draymond Green at the three or whoever it is. 
Okay, you don't see any kind of situation kind of like because we've seen that teams with uh, kind of uh, kind of semi-dominant big men who can rebound kind of give Golden State some trouble, uh, like the OKC in 2016, obviously the Cavs in 2016 finals. So you don't see any kind of any anything like that in this series with Houston, obviously throwing Capella on the floor, get block shots, offensive rebounds, second chance points, stuff like that. They might have a little trouble on the rebounds, but they won't have trouble making shots, so they won't need that many rebounds when you have four All-Stars on your, as your starters. Okay, fair enough. And then we've seen kind of in some series past that Stephen Curry has, on the defensive end has kind of been able to hide on kind of the team's other opposing team's worst offensive player. Does Houston have anybody like that that they're going to have on the floor where they can – where Curry can guard and he's kind of like the weak link so he doesn't have to guard Chris Paul or James Harden? Yeah, everyone just throws Steph Curry as the greatest shooter, praises him, and yeah, he doesn't play defense or shit. We all know that. Yeah, there are, there, there will be a person on Houston that will they'll have him on, maybe Trevor Ariza, maybe P.J. Tucker. I, would, I was thinking Eric Gordon, but Eric Gordon can shoot, so... He could be on Eric Gordon, though, because all Gordon does is shoot his threes mainly. He drives sometimes, but he's definitely not going to be guarding Chris Paul. He can't handle Chris Paul. And then, obviously, guarding Stephen Curry on the other end, I mean, it's most likely going to be Chris Paul. Uh, I mean, would you agree? Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's going to be Chris Paul. Chris Paul is going to handle the situation. That's what, make Chris Paul, that's what makes Chris Paul a Hall of Famer, even if he didn't make the conference finals this year. He can play on both ends of the ball, which is a big thing. Now, a lot of people don't give a shit about defense anymore with the way the league is running. Everyone's just about scoring and scoring and scoring. That Everyone needs to score, but Chris Paul is a great defender very underrated defender and he's gonna have he's gonna give Steph some trouble so I think Durant will step up because getting to that I don't know who's gonna guard Durant it's gonna be tough they're they're gonna be switching up on they'll have Ariza they'll throw PJ Tucker Luke Richard I don't know it's gonna they'll have to double him at times but then you go to who's gonna guard Thompson and it just keeps going on and I, I don't see Houston with the defense I don't see Mike D'Antoni's system working on a defensive side but they will put up a lot of points I wonder what the over-under is going to be for game one yeah I mean Harden and Paul are obviously going to have to guard Curry and Thompson respectively and then do you think kind of now with them being together kind of uh each one taking a load off like the other one kind of in terms of ball handling setting the tempo of the game setting up the offense that they kind of have more energy now to play on the defensive end and kind of make an impact because we kind of saw like in the past couple last couple seasons that Chris Paul was in LA with the Clippers that I mean it was too much of a burden for him to kind of run the offense and then also guard the other team's point guard uh, for a full game and then we saw as he kind of wore down in his last series with the Clippers against the Jazz and didn't perform so well in the last like game or two so do you think that's kind of an advantage now for Paul that now that he has Harden that he doesn't expend much energy and he can save it for the defensive side of the ball where he can where he's going to have a very tough assignment with Stephen Curry. Yeah, I think he can. I think he's also going to talk to Harden into playing the de- playing defense too, because 
you can you can chill out on Clay Thompson, but he's not gonna chill out on you. He can drop twenty a quarter. We've seen it before multiple times. So Harden's gonna have to step up. Either he's gonna either Harden's gonna be guarding Steph or Clay. It's either one, and either one's a great scorer, and they're gonna be shooting the ball out. Okay, and then so you think Golden State's starting lineup is gonna be what they call the Hampton Five? Is that what is that what we're going with? Yeah, I think so. They're gonna start out small. They're go, they're gonna put Iguodala in the lineup. Okay. Yeah. I mean, or I guess they also call that the death lineup. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I guess what Steve Kerr wants to do uh, in Game One. I mean, there's some thoughts thrown out there that they might throw uh, Kevon Looney into the starting lineup or McGee or something. What do you think? Maybe McGee just to give Compella some some trouble and so, sometime they'll put maybe put him in for like five minutes, but then they'll put Iguodala in. Iguodala just goes with their system. He he can run it better. He'll run, he runs faster. They they, they don't want to go slow and give Capella an advantage because uh, then that the Houston could possibly just start having Capella dominate McGee in the post. And I just th- I just think Steve Kerr is a better coach than Mike D'Antoni. The Warriors are a better team. They're all they're also more experienced, not just in the playoffs, and they have better chemistry as a team. As we just mentioned, this is Chris Paul's first year with James Harden, so I'm not buying it. Okay, fair enough. So you're going Warriors and six? Yeah, Warriors and six is my pick. Okay, I mean I agree with you with Warriors, but I- I'm going to go in seven games. I think this is going to be a really good series. I think it's going to go the distance. I think the difference is going to be, obviously, I think Chris Paul, I think, will perform. I just have a little problems with James Harden. He's kind of been a little iffy in some of these bigger games. And just like I mentioned earlier, he's very reliant on drawing contact and getting to the foul line and drawing fouls. So I just think that's going to be a problem. And kind of when the game slows down, he just doesn't excel like he usually does, in my opinion. So I think that's going to be the difference. And... Also, I mean, Golden State, obviously, four future Hall of Famers or something. Just too much star power, in my opinion, compared to Houston. And I think they're, they're going to be able to execute better down the stretch. And I think that's why I'm going to go Golden State in seven games. And in seven exciting games, in my opinion. But And we'll see a rematch for the fourth straight season of Golden State versus Cleveland in the finals, in my opinion. So with that, we'll agree on that one. And then... I guess uh, the NBA lottery is coming up on Tuesday. Uh, Who do you think uh, gets the first pick? I really don't know. I haven't been looking into the lottery since the Lakers aren't in it this year for the first time in a while because they traded the draft pick. I forgot who's number one to get it, who has the highest chance. I think it's Atlanta. I think Atlanta or Phoenix, right? Yeah. I think Phoenix really needs that, that pick. But I, I don't know who's going to get it. If I had to guess right now, I would say Phoenix. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, Atlanta or Phoenix are probably the one of the better bets, I guess, for, for sure. But, I mean, we'll see who comes away with that number one pick. Obviously, Boston will have a pretty good pick again because they have uh, they have the Lakers pick, right, I think? They have the Lakers pick if it's from two to five. Okay. All right. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But with that being said, uh, thank you so much for coming on Rebound. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
having me on. I want to give a shout out to my boy Nas and Zoo and let my boy eat. Shout out to Nas and Zoo. I uh, hope they're doing well. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy both conference final series, and we'll see you back when the NBA finals start.